Hello, hello. Welcome to Future First Softball Second. I'm Quincy, your podcast host and owner of Diamond Dynamics Softball. I am a former D1, D2, and D3 college coach, education and athletic administration major, and D2 pitcher. Our goal at Diamond Dynamics is to support families and athletes with college planning as they work to truly find their best fit athletically, academically, financially, and emotionally at the next level. We've worked with hundreds of families across the country through our individual group and team programming, and I'm so happy you're a part of our community too. Check out the show notes for ways to connect with us and learn from us, and I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions after listening to this episode. So I am here with Nicole Chilson today, who played at Arizona State and graduated in 2018. So I am so excited that you're here with us. Can you share a little bit about yourself? Yes, thank you so much for having me. Um, like you said, my name is Nicole Chilson. I played at Arizona State from 2014 to 2018, played softball for 16 years, was and still is uh, my entire life. I am from California, and I currently am a full-time softball coach, so I have my own facility that I give lessons out of full-time, and I also manage my own travel ball organization called the Futures. Awesome. I love that. So you're my kind of human because I'm kind of living the same life for sure. Yeah. You know, and just so excited to have another strong female role model who's gone through the process, played at a really high level, which is fantastic. And would love to hear kind of about your recruiting process and getting to Arizona State a little bit. Yeah. So my dad actually started his own organization. Well, not organization. It was like a mom and pop team my first year of 12 so that team was lights out and I was on that team for three years and the recruiting process really started my first year in 14s on that lights out team Um, we went to PGF and we were really competitive and we made it really far in the tournament and I specifically remember this game we were playing a Batbusters team and I played really well. And it just so happened that the University of Tennessee was there watching. And my dad ended up getting a phone call after the game. I remember laying in the hotel bed and his phone rang and he answered it. And it was Ralph Weekly. And he was like, Hey, Coach Larry, I'm calling on behalf of your player, assuming it's your daughter, um, Nicole Chilson. We watched her play. And we really liked what we saw and were interested in recruiting her. And my dad being my dad, if you know who he is, he replies and goes, hey, Ralph Weekly, are you sure that you have the right number? Because he was like just blown away because the recruiting process hadn't started yet. And for that big of a school to reach out for our first time, he was just like, is this really happening right now? And I'm like on the bed. Are you serious, dad? Like, come on, give me some credit here. (laughs) And um, so that was like the introduction to my recruiting process was my first year of 14s. I ended up going on a recruiting trip, if I remember correctly. I want to say it was the summer going into my sophomore year is when I finally took my trip to Tennessee. And it was awesome. And I loved it. And it was amazing. Just unfortunately, it didn't make sense financially for me to make that commitment. So that was it for Tennessee, sadly. And then kind of after that, my dad made the decision to disperse that team. He just thought it would be best for everyone to kind of move on to maybe a bigger organization and just get a little bit more help with the recruiting process. 
So I went to Case Batbusters and we were making like a three hour drive every week for practice. And so that didn't work out. And then I ended up going to Miner's Gold Lovelace, which was a bigger organization when I was playing, but they're no longer around anymore. And my recruiting process really picked up. I would say my second year of 14s is when I got to Miner's Gold and we just showcased literally all the time. We went to Colorado, PGF, all the surf cities, all those crazy showcases that you hear of nowadays. We went to all of them and I ended up going and getting looked at by Ball State and Central Michigan. So I went on a visit to Ball State uh, my junior year now and I fell in love with the coaching staff and I just really liked the the atmosphere. I had family close by, so I verbally committed. And so here I am as a junior thinking that I'm done with my recruiting process. I'm stress-free. I don't have to worry about anything anymore. And then we go to Colorado in 2013. So I'm about to be a senior at this point. And we find out that the coach at Ball State has left and he's taken a new head coaching job. So for me, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't have my scholarship anymore because obviously new coaches coming in, they're not obligated to like keep the incoming class because I hadn't signed anything at that point. So I remember we're in Colorado. We find out this information. I'm like bawling my eyes out during warmups for looking back at it. Absolutely no reason because it wasn't the end of the world. Um, But Craig Nicholson was the coach at Ball State and he was now at ASU and my dad called him and like congratulated him and he was like well I'm gonna be out at Colorado maybe I'll stop by and just like see you guys like I don't have any money at ASU but I still want to like talk to Nicole in person and let her know what's going on type of thing so he ended up coming out and watching me play at Colorado and I ended up having like an absolutely amazing showcase, like just did the absolute best probably that I have ever played. And he was like, you know what, I'm going to figure something out. It might not be much, but I want her to be at ASU with me. And so he figured something out and I decommitted to Ball State and ended up verbally committing to Arizona State in August of 2013 and then signed my letter of intent in November of that year. Oh my goodness, that's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Crazy. And in my world, I'm like, oh, she played at Arizona State. This is great. She's going to be awesome for the podcast. And here we are, like, hitting all of the things. Oh my gosh. So take us back to comparing that visit as a freshman at Tennessee to your visits as an upperclassman. And I love that you experienced this because this is one of the reasons that that NFCA, NCAA rules change happened, really. Yeah. So, like, Going in, when I started recruiting, I was like technically late because you have these girls committing and verbaling to these schools as eighth graders. So it's crazy to hear like, oh my gosh, you were late as a a sophomore freshman and like kind of, yeah, because all these other girls are committing as eighth graders. So it was very overwhelming. I definitely wasn't matured. I mean, I was 15 years old. I just remember being like starched on the visit. Yeah. And it was like, they sold me on the school I went to a football game I got to experience like the spirit walk Um, their facilities were amazing I mean the SEC they're 
facilities are just absolutely beautiful. And I loved Ralph and Karen and the girls were amazing. And it was just like, oh my gosh, is this real? This is like straight out of a movie type of thing. And then obviously it didn't work out. And and that was sad for me, but I knew that if I was getting looks by Tennessee that I was going to end up somewhere. So it didn't really discourage me, kind of lit a fire in my recruiting process. And then going to Ball State, which is a smaller D1, I still like it didn't really matter to me if it was a big D1 or a small D1. I really just wanted to go somewhere where I was going to be able to compete at a high level. And so that was really something that I was focused on. And Ball State at the time didn't even have its own softball stadium. Oh, wow. I strictly made the decision based off of my connection with the coach, which is why I was so bummed when I heard that he had left because that was like my main reason for picking Ball State. And then going to ASU, I kind of already knew in the back of my head, like if I got an offer, I was taking it and it was way closer to home. And so I think just overall, it worked out for the best because I don't know how I would have done in Indiana with all the snow. I think I would have struggled and just maybe being that far away from home wouldn't have been the best for me. So I'm just really thankful and blessed that it worked out the way that it worked out. Absolutely. I tell our athletes all the time, and especially our juniors who are really in the thick of it right now, like everything happens for a reason. Like every no and every situation takes you just one step closer to where you're supposed to be playing. And it's so hard to stay believing in that when you're in the thick of it, but it really is true. And I love that you're an example of that. Yeah. So as you were going through, I think it's so funny that you sit there and felt like you were late. Because mm-hmm. even now today, I have seventh and eighth grade families that reach out and are like, hey, what do we need to do for recruiting? And I'm like, let's yeah. take a breath. Like, let's start thinking about it and learn how to get recruited. But we really don't need to focus on this yet. Like, we're good. Um, yeah. you know, and I don't really even let athletes into our programming until about this time of year in eighth grade. And even then, I still have very few. So I love that you can share a little bit about being late and early and all of that insanity. So do you see a difference in the way you were recruited with the way your athletes and were really running recruiting now? Yeah, I mean, obviously the age thing is a huge difference because you can't be recruited by D1 or D2 until your junior year in high school. I mean, they can obviously come look at you, but can't have any contact with you unless you go to their camps. So that is a huge difference. And I feel like it's a lot more competitive now than what it was when I was playing. There's so many more travel ball teams now than what there was. And even the transfer portal in college is so different than what it was when I was playing. And a lot of schools do do their recruiting out of the transfer portal, which makes it harder for these incoming freshmen to get scholarships because they're just being given the girls who already have college experience. So it's definitely changed. And I would say it's a lot more competitive and harder to get an athletic scholarship now than what it was before. Absolutely. I'm finding that there's actually more money in academics and in scholarships with your grades. And my athletes always laugh because I tell them like, guys, every A you get in high school is literally earning you money. Yeah. And they don't believe me. And I'm like, no, there is so much money out there if you have a high GPA. I tell my athletes the same thing. Make sure you have good grades because you can get money with your academics. Absolutely. Absolutely. So 
what do your athletes and athletes you see today, what are they doing differently? Like the ones that make it to the next level and really stand out and make those great connections with coaches. What are they doing that maybe some other athletes? I would say like being very consistent with their work ethic, like people who are successful and like say that their goal is to go to college. I can really tell the ones that mean it and the ones that are kind of just saying it and if it happens it happens and if not it's not a big deal so I would say just being really consistent with putting in the extra time and putting in the extra work and yes it can be exhausting and a grind sometimes but if you truly love the game of softball then you should fall in love with that process so I would say that's one thing that really sticks out to me especially now being a coach is I can tell who actually wants it and who doesn't really want it absolutely so bringing that up a little bit can you talk about what your schedule looked like as a high school athlete playing at the level you did and then going on to play at the d1 level because I think sometimes I hear from athletes like, oh, I work hard. Like I went to lessons this week and I practiced my hitting one day a week outside of lessons and they feel like that's working hard. Yeah, (laughs) that's funny because I get that a lot too from my athletes. I'm like, "Um, well, so as a high school player playing in travel ball, um, my dad literally sacrificed all of his time to make it possible for us to travel wherever we needed to travel to in order to get me a scholarship and my summers were spent on the softball field I had to sacrifice a lot of times maybe that I wanted to spend with friends I didn't get to do those things I was traveling to Colorado going to Reno going to Georgia going to all these places and when we weren't playing we were practicing Saturday and Sunday like six hours a day going to lessons during the week and trying my best to put in as much extra time as I possibly could. Um, I would say the one thing that is different though now than from when I was playing is I feel like athletes now are doing a better job of like training their bodies physically, like as far as lifting and doing agility. That stuff wasn't really a thing when I was in high school, and I was so unprepared when I got into college my freshman year. I had never stepped foot into a gym, never done a squat, nothing like that. So conditioning for me my freshman year was awful. I couldn't even like walk up the stairs my first month of being a freshman. So I wish that that had been something when I was in high school. But yeah, I just, I dedicated literally every single second that I had was dedicated to softball. And I was totally fine with that because I truly loved softball and wanted to play at the next level. So to me, I'd never felt like I was missing out on anything. I was just playing something, playing a sport that I loved and chasing after a true goal that I had. I love that. And I think that work ethic and that and I don't like to use the word sacrifice, but it really is a sacrifice of time with friends and you know other sports and whatever it is. Sometimes we forget that that then translates to once you get to college as well. So can you speak yeah. a little bit about what your schedule looked like as a high level D1 athlete? Yeah, so we had 6 a.m. weights. So I would wake up at like 530 in order to get to weights on time. Um, weights consisted of 
training, like lifting weights and conditioning. So it was about an hour and a half usually. Um, and then we would go to class after that from probably around, if I remember correctly, I haven't been out of school for that long. I can't <laughs> remember. Like one to three, I would say, is when you're getting in your classwork and going to study hall, trying to meet with mentors and plan out your week accordingly. And then going to practice from three to six or so. And then going back to study hall afterwards and getting your schoolwork done, getting something to eat, and then waking up the next day and doing it all over again. Yeah, absolutely. What did your schedule look like in season? Were you missing a lot of class? Were you guys traveling a ton? So thankfully, ASU has amazing weather. So in season, obviously we're traveling just in the pack, but preseason, we never really traveled. Everyone came to us, which was super nice because we didn't have to miss a lot of school. Um, but a lot of my classes were online, like my junior and senior year. So when we did travel, everything was just on my computer, which made it super nice. Um, that was just because of the major that I had. I know a lot of girls like biology and science majors and stuff like that. Obviously you can't do labs online, so they would have to, to miss those things. But I personally didn't. And I'm thankful that I was able to travel with my laptop and do my school on the road. Absolutely. And, you know, back when we went to school, that wasn't as much of a thing. Whereas now kids are like, yep, I take online classes all the time um, in our post-COVID world. What was your major? Uh, I majored in family and human development. So I started off as a bio major. I was like dead set on being a vet. That was my dream ever since I was a little kid. And it just did not match up with my softball schedule. It was way too much for me personally. And I, I couldn't figure out a way to manage both. And I was already taking family and human development classes for my electives. And so that's what I switched over to because those classes interested me the most. And I knew I liked working with kids. So I figured I would go down the teaching road. And then um, I did, I ended up getting a job working with special needs kids right out of college. And then I always knew I wanted to give back to softball. I wanted to give back to the rec league that I started in. So I was like, I'll just coach one season. And then one season turned into two seasons. And then they're like, what about you doing travel ball? And I was like, absolutely not. And they kept asking and asking. I was like, okay, just one team. And then it just blew up. And now I do it full time. And here you are, right? Yeah, and here I am. I love that you could kind of take a step back as an 18 year old and recognize like, okay, this major might not be the best for me in my future right now. And I'm having so many conversations with our high school athletes of choosing a major and they're all in such a panic mode. And I'm like, guys, like you literally have to raise your hand and ask to go to the bathroom still at school. And then we turn around and tell you to make a life decision. Like what? (laughs) I mean, and for me, I also went to school to be a teacher. And three weeks before graduation, realized I didn't want to teach and was in a mass panic and ended up being a college coach. So it all works out. It all works out. Yes. Yep, absolutely. And I'm sure you are using a lot of that education degree every day in your facility now. Absolutely. Everyone always asks, what'd you major in? And I'm like, family and human development. I wanted to teach, which I kind of am still teaching, just in a different setting. Yep, absolutely. So at 18 as a freshman, what are things you know now that you wish you had known then? 
I wish that I would have known how to, one, manage my time better as a freshman. Like, I really struggled my freshman year. Um, I feel like I could have been way more prepared academically. And like I said, physically, I just wasn't prepared. And I think mentally, too. Like, I've learned so much about the game, being a coach mentally, that I wish I would have known when I played. I always tell my husband this, if I would have known now what I, like I could have been so much better, but I'm super thankful for what I went through, the adversity I dealt with throughout my four years, because now I'm able to share my experience with the younger generation and hopefully teach them and get them through similar situations that they're going through that I also through myself. Absolutely. So as a freshman, when things were tough and crazy and hard, who in your circle did you really lean on a lot to get through that? I would say my dad. Um, my dad is my my number one fan, my biggest motivator. He's also my toughest critic at times. And I remember like my first two months of my freshman year, I was like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? And I remember calling my dad just crying and telling him like, I don't think I can do this anymore. And he was like, uh, you're fine. Don't call me and tell me that you're you're not going to be able to do this. You'll get through it type of thing. <laughs> like the tough love that that you need sometimes. And I didn't even make the travel squad my freshman year. And that was like a big, like just confidence killer at first. So I would go home when my team traveled. I would go home and visit my family and watch my team on TV. And that was super weird for me. And so <clears throat> after my freshman year coming back, my coach pulled me into the office, one of my, uh, one of the assistant coaches. And he was like, look, you can be a huge asset to this team, but like you're going to have to put in the work and, but I believe that you can do this. And I think that's kind of just all I needed was like some reassurance, which as a female athlete, I think sometimes we need some reassurance from coaches and um, that really helped me. And so just hearing that from a coach really lit a fire under my tail and I worked my butt off that summer and I came back and I ended up being a starter and I had an absolute amazing year. So I did a complete 180. I love that because that could have gone one of two ways. Like you could have not made that travel squad and just stopped working and given up and hit the transfer portal. And instead you went in that direction of no, like I'm going to earn this. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. And like, the seniors my freshman year too, like I had someone, a senior pull me off to the side and was like, if you don't want to be here, like you don't need to be here type of thing. And I was like, I've never had anybody talk to me like that. But instead of being like, oh my gosh, she's being mean. I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. Let me check myself and let me go figure this out because this is something that I want. And if my teammates are seeing otherwise, then I do need to change something. Absolutely. And that self-awareness is amazing. Oh my gosh, especially at 18. Yeah, That's a great example of, you know, we're all faced with that choice and whether it's I'm not getting innings on my travel ball team, I'm struggling with my high school team, like whether it's something that's happening now or going to happen in college. And one of the big things that we're talking a lot about right now, and one of the things I talked about as a college coach was, yes, I recruited you. And I think you could be a huge asset to this team. But I'm also recruiting a class behind you. Exactly. And, that. and my job is to continue to get better every single year, which means my job is to out recruit you. 
Yes, exactly. You're always trying to find somebody to take your spot or push you to be better, some healthy competition. Absolutely. And recognizing that as an athlete and going, okay, yep, I have a choice here and I'm going to bust my butt. Let's go is absolutely awesome. Um, So I think it's interesting that you mentioned as a freshman, you struggled with time management a little bit, but a lot of the message we're hearing is at high level division one, you are overscheduled. Your coaches tell you exactly where to be, when to be. So how did you struggle with time management or is that not really the case at that level? I mean, yes, we were like fully booked. Like I had to be in specific spots at specific times for softball, but as far as school, like we had mentors and academic advisors that were given to us and like I needed a planner. I'm the type of person where I need to be writing something out like this is when I have an assignment due this is how long it's going to take me to get it done and I had never used a planner before so just going in and not having like anybody tell me this is kind of what it's going to be like I was just kind of diving into it head first with no idea (laughs) so I wish I would have had like a mentor before I got to college or had like an, an athlete who had been at that level that could have told me like this is what's gonna what it's gonna be like when you get there you're gonna have softball and school and then softball and then school and it's your job to figure out how to get your schoolwork done because if not if you if you end up not getting I think it was like a 2.5 then you're not going to be playing softball so having a planner I tell my kids or my athletes all the time just get a planner and start start now so when you get to college it's just an easy transition you're already in the habit of doing it Absolutely. I think every single former and current college athlete I've talked to has said that Yeah, you guys are, and I did the same thing. You're trying to create your system as the world is burning down around you instead of creating a system as, you know, an upperclassman in high school that you can then carry over to college. And of course you're gonna have to tweak it. And, you know, you're not in class from eight to three anymore and all of that, but being able to build a system that works for you is so huge as far as that transitional piece. Um, And so many times softball is the easier part of that. And everything (laughs) else is impacting softball. Like I was thinking about that as you were talking about that upperclassman who called you out a little bit. I was like, I bet everything else in her world was coming down on her and it was showing, oh my gosh, I don't want to be at practice. Yeah. And it wasn't even like I was doing, like when I was getting called on to perform in games my freshman year, I was doing my job too. So that made it even harder. Like I was performing and doing what I needed to do, but I still didn't make the travel squad. I still wasn't looked at as like someone who was going to help the team out. And so that was really hard for me because I was like, well, what else can I be doing type of thing, you know? And so, yeah, I really had to check myself because even though I thought I was doing good and like doing what I needed to do and being a good teammate, other people weren't thinking the same things. So I was obviously doing something wrong to make me not a part of that lineup. Yep, absolutely. And so many times coaches don't want freshmen to start either. And we forget that. Like they want to give you guys that time to go through exactly what you went through and like Mm -hmm. figure it out and okay, make my systems and, you know, find that next level want to because the want to we have in high school, yes, it translates to college, but it's it's not enough. Yeah. And I think like going from high school and travel ball for me personally, where I started every single game and I was playing even on my bad days, I was still starting and then going to not starting at all 
was like a shock to me and I didn't know how to handle that at first. And so maybe I would say maybe I wish I would have kind of struggled a little bit maybe in travel ball or high school to prepare me for college because that was just something that I had never dealt with before and it it affected my mental game a little bit which I had never dealt with either so that was a lot for me to to take in in one year but I'm thankful that I reacted the way that I did and I came home and just worked as hard as I could. Absolutely. Because I bet if you had transferred, you'd be looking back and possibly regretting it now even. Yeah. And people would ask me, why are you thinking about transferring? And I'm like, well, no, because nobody like, why would I, why would I transfer? It wasn't really a big thing when, when I was a freshman. So I was set on, no, I'm going to stay at ASU and I'm going to do my four years and I'm going to figure it out. Yep. Absolutely. So looking at the schools, like that freshman year, were you enjoying the campus, enjoying classes and all of that? And it was really just the transition to softball and that time management that was tough? Yeah, I mean, I loved ASU and I wish I could go back. I tell people that all the time. I wish I could relive my four years of college. I loved ASU. I loved um, the class that I went in with. Um, We're all really close still. And I loved my teammates just in general. I felt like they were all supportive and yes sometimes they gave us freshmen tough love but that's just kind of expected um so yeah just overall I really enjoyed my experience at ASU in general awesome you know and so many times we forget that there is a life outside of softball when it comes to being in college and yes it owns so much of our time and it's so crazy and most of our friends are athletes but there is that other side of it of when you leave practice, are you actually enjoying where you are too? Yeah, no, and I did. It's funny because I went in and I was like, man, this softball is going to be like my life times 500 now. I didn't even bring a bathing suit or pack a bathing suit with me. And I remember the team was like, oh, we're going to do some team bonding at the pool. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know we were going to have time for this stuff. I didn't even pack a bathing suit. So yeah, there is a life outside of softball. And I feel like sometimes that's pushed on athletes. If you go to a big top 100 program, it is a lot of softball and it's very competitive, but there is a lot that you get to experience outside of it as well. Absolutely. So talk a little bit about that transition from that freshman year where you were busting your butt and figuring it all out to that sophomore year and suddenly being a starter. Did you struggle with that transition at all? I wouldn't say I really struggled. I was very prepared I think coming into my sophomore year I knew what my coaches were expecting out of me at that point I knew what my teammates were expecting me out of me at that point I knew I had to work my tail off in the weight room I had to push myself when it came to conditioning and I wanted nothing else but to be a starter and so when I was given that opportunity I just ran with it and then fortunately after that year that coach left So that was something, again, that I had to deal with. There was a ton of adversity throughout my four years at ASU. So then coming in my junior year, a new coach, having to deal with that pretty much like my freshman year all over again, because this coach was completely different. And every coach has their their ways and their different ways to coach. So I was prepared my sophomore year, I would say, for it based off of what I learned from my freshman year crazy that you went through all of those coaching changes. Oh my goodness. 
Yeah, I know. It was definitely crazy and was not expecting it at all. Yep, absolutely. And it's interesting advice that I got from one of my mentors once when I was a college coach. And it was, if the only reason to stay is because you love your athletes, then you need to leave for your next opportunity, which is the hardest thing in the world. And coaches hate leaving athletes, but it's Mm -hmm. also their careers and their livelihoods too. Yeah. So was that a tough transition from coach to coach then? I would say yes. (laughs) Um, Just because like their hitting philosophies were a little bit different. And so that part of it was kind of a struggle for me. And then obviously when you have new coaches come in, they sometimes bring transfers. And so it's kind of like you're fighting for your spot all over, even though you're an upperclassman and this is supposed to be like your year to kind of like, this is your spot, right? You've earned it. And now we have transfers coming in that maybe have a one up on us because they've worked with the coach already. So yeah, it was definitely a struggle, but I got through it and I'm thankful for it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's crazy how much of that kind of stuff prepares you for post-grad too. Like I look at how many times I have friends who aren't in coaching and they get a new boss randomly and they have to completely adjust to a new boss. Like every time somebody says, oh my gosh, I'm getting a new coach. That's what I think of. I'm like, well, you're going to have to do this in the real world too. Like it's, it's going to be okay. Yeah. You'll get through it. Like you said, it'll all work out. Yep. Absolutely. So How did your time as a college athlete now set you up for success in the real world, even though you're still a little bit in the softball world? Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing is just adversity. I, I went through a lot. I I wasn't like your typical, like you see all these, these girls come out from D1 and they had these amazing successful careers and they're playing pro. Like that wasn't me. I, I was like, it was like a roller coaster ride for me. I was up then I was down then I was up then I was down. And so that really prepared me for the real world because the real world is like that as well. So just being able to stay level-headed, even when things aren't quite going your way and not getting too negative and getting down on yourself when things, like I said, aren't going your way being an athlete definitely prepared me for that part of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a reason that most female CEOs were athletes growing up. Yeah. (laughs) So what advice kind of along those lines do you have for the athlete who's like in the thick of the process right now, like that sophomore junior who's trying to figure life out? I would just say stay true to yourself and continue to be confident um, and do your research on schools because there's so many schools out there and people only know what they see on TV and they think that if they don't go to one of those schools that they're not successful and I hate that. I hate the D1 or bus mentality and that's coming from someone who went to a D1 school but your main goal should be to to stay at the school for four years and not go into the transfer portal. So do your research, make sure that you're actually going to fall in love with the school. And if you're wanting to play all four years, then make sure that you're going to a school that you're going to be able to compete at, go to a level that you know you're going to be successful at. But there's a home for everybody. I tell this to all my athletes, just do your research. There's so many schools out there from D1 to NAIA. And if you have to start at a JC and transfer out in two years, that's fine too. But your goal should be to come out of school with the 
the least amount of debt possible. So that would be my advice. Absolutely. And if you guys are listening, I am not paying her to say that. I promise. <laughs> that is actually her thought on that because I say yeah, the exact <laughs> same thing. Yeah. You know, and people are so surprised when I tell them that a lot of the athletes that are in our college planning program actually choose to play a level down from what they got an offer at. And yeah. whether it's academic fit or, um, you know, we have a kid that's going to a high academic D3 school for free on an academic scholarship, yeah. you know, and she never would have had that at the D2 level and different things like that. Like it's your individual journey and it's okay yeah. to make that decision for you and your future. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people like high school kids, they don't understand the concept of money. So if they're getting like a 20% scholarship to a top 25 program, they don't understand how much money they're going to be paying back once their four years is over. So that's why I suggest you do your research. Absolutely. And I think you're a perfect example of that, of, you know, moving away from an opportunity at the University of Tennessee, where kids dream of that, right? We watch them on TV and they're slappers and they're pitching and all of that. And you were mature enough and able to sit down with your family and decide like, hey, this is amazing, but it's not what's best for me. Yeah. And like I said, it was a very hard decision. It was, um, I mean, I didn't really have a dream school. I just wanted to go to a, a D1 program. But after I went on that trip, I was like, man, I want to go to Tennessee. And then for it to fall through, obviously, like I said, it, it was a heartbreak, but life was still going to go on. And I still was going to go somewhere and play softball. So it wasn't the end of the world. And I actually still have a connection with Ralph Weekly. So it's not like I don't talk to him anymore. We still have a connection. That's awesome. I love that. You know, and a good college coach is still going to do that, right? If they like you and bring you to campus, they're going to want what's best for you and then still support you later in your life, even if you don't go to their school. Um, I can think of some of my favorite kids I ever recruited that I still talk to didn't end up playing for me. Yeah. No, that says a lot about you as a coach, too. And I mean, those are the types of coaches that you want to play for who actually care about you as a person and not just a softball player. Yep, absolutely. And I think sometimes we forget that coaches talk too, right? If you had been a total jerk to Ralph Weekly and, you know, kind of blown him off because it wasn't the right fit for you, he might have called up another coach or talked to him behind a backstop and said, ooh, you know, this kid, maybe she's not the best fit because she did X, Y, and Z. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the softball world is so small. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know life is crazy and you're running your own softball empire out in California. So yeah. where can we find you? Where can athletes connect with you and kind of follow along with what you're doing now? Yeah. So my Instagram page is future um, under dash 49 under dash softball. So that's where they can find me. Um, I am on Facebook under Nicole Smith, but I usually just post my softball stuff on my Instagram. Okay. Awesome. And we will tag that in the show notes for you guys as well. So you can jump on and follow her and, you know, connect with her and learn more about what she's doing out with her athletes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on with us. It is greatly appreciated. And I know so many of our athletes are going to get so much out of everything we unpacked with your story today. Yes, of course. Thank you again so much for reaching out and having me. It was fun. Absolutely.